Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. We've got a volunteer. The body is on the way. Sure. All Detroit has a cancer. <laughs> cancer is crime. Turn the roll. As you know, we've entered into a contract with the city to run local law enforcement. We were able to save the left arm. What? I thought we agreed on total body prosthesis. Now lose the arm, okay? We get the best of both worlds, onboard computer-assisted memory and a lifetime of on-the-street law enforcement programming. Hey, Lewis, it's Supercop. This guy is really good. He's not a guy, he's a machine. What are they going to do, replace us? Murphy, it's you. Go get him, boy. Thank you. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. Anything you say may be used against you. You better back up, pal! Your move, creep. The future of law enforcement. Robocop. Thank you for your cooperation. Hello, everyone. I'm John Ingle. I'm Mitch Bryan. And I'm Jason Heck. And this is Alien Minutes audio commentary for Paul Verhoeven's Robocop. I'm very excited about this. Uh, we will say a couple of things about the movie before we start the commentary. Not too much. But, um, John? What are we going to say? We're going to say when we first saw it? Yeah, real quickly. Uh, my dad taped it off the ABC Sunday Night Movie, and I watched it about a thousand times edited for television. And I would guess 88. I think it was probably 1988 or 89 when I saw it for the first time. Boy, were you and in was, for a surprise. Not really. It was actually surprisingly violent <laughs> for the TV version. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I don't know why my dad, of all things, my dad wanted to see RoboCop, and boy, I wore that tape out. Jason, in Video Corner in Prairie Village. I uh, got, I rented two amazing VHS tapes the same weekend: RoboCop and Predator. So that was an amazing weekend. The house was Jeez. awash in testosterone. Um, I actually grew extra pubic hair over the weekend in seventh grade because of those that that double rental. Both of those movies are featured in the same issue of Cinefantastique, so that's what? a very exciting And issue. some amazing write-ups in TV Guide as well. And The Hidden came out around the same time, too, so it was a good year for science fiction movies. Wow! What a time to be alive. You don't have to love was. Jack Shoulder, but what a great summer. It's a great movie, The Hidden. So we'll start this commentary after the second roar of the lion, so if you want to uh, start your disc and pause it after that second roar. Or just tracking. We'll just say, I guess we should say, there's no free, as of this recording, there's no free way to stream this movie. So you can either rent it at Amazon, Vudu, wherever you rent uh, uh, movies for streaming. If you have a, a an older copy of it, I assume that the MGM is still there. Basically, we want you to pause right before the Orion 
logo begins. So I just want to make sure everybody's in sync. Also, this is the director's cut, the original version. Paul Verhoeven got an X rating on. If you have an old DVD, I imagine that's the only way you would get the theatrical cut. But most, for the most part, this is the version that's available to everyone. So pause it after the MGM logo, right before the Orion logo. Sync up with us and begin. All right, so this is our second uh, second commentary and second Orion picture. I know. I would always love when the Orion logo would come up because, I don't know, more often than not, it was a quality brand for me. I, like I liked it. a lot. Mike Metavoy ran that company, and, and he had good taste in movies. I always feel like when I see that O spinning, for some reason, my uh, recollection tends to go towards like a trumpet, like Louis Armstrong trumpet at, at the beginning of a Woody Allen movie, I think. Uh, maybe that was the most the Woody Allen films he did during the the 80s for Orion was so that tracking shot helicopter shot coming in was of Detroit but most of this movie was shot in Dallas uh, because they needed a non-union situation and so they were trying to make this film for a price and then I just think it's got one of the greatest beginnings of any movie I think that this the way that this news cast frames the film gives us a sense that this movie is going to be shocking it's going to have its tongue in its cheek it's going to be outrageous uh and and this is just some extraordinary world building and then we've got mario Machado playing somebody else i can't remember casey character. wong casey wong but he was a real newscaster uh in la and in fact he played himself in blue thunder and then we've got lisa gibbons and is lisa using a different name too she is right jess perkins yeah jess perkins so um, is, it, this was before uh, people like Wolf Blitzer whored themselves out and played themselves in movies. Right. At least we had one degree of, of you know, separation from who they really were. So uh, I think that, that makes it even, there's even more Doctor, fun. There's Dr. Hare Helmet at the Family Heart Center <laughs> with his hair neatly lacquered. And one of the worst-looking artificial hearts, it's the size <laughs> of a bread box. It's for a bull, I think. <laughs> At this point, yeah, I think we're, I think we're not in the Jarvik era anymore. Right. I think that, yeah. Yeah, and here we, we do our setup for Detroit, and this is really great, finding out about corporate governance of law enforcement and this terrific introduction with Dick Jones is terrific. And a logo decidedly uh, reminiscent of the Canon Films logo. You know, <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> it's an interesting, you know, interesting choice to start with all of this because I think that they would have, wouldn't you, usually have gotten some sort of bloody action scene here in a movie at that er in that era? But to start with a newscast for your action adventure, well, I think uh, it's just plain brilliant because it, is, it establishes exactly what this movie is and who the people are in the film, and it does it in such an economical, oh. entertaining way. Good luck, Frank. With our <laughs> there it is, there it is. Uh, hopefully, that'll snap him out of the coma. Well, I or, think. Well, I think you're right, Mitch, about it announcing what it is because you know a lot of people before this movie was made, just reading the script or just seeing the title, dismissed this immediately, including Paul Verhoeven, dismissed it immediately as a schlocky B movie idea. And I think maybe if you announced your movie with the schlocky B movie action scene. <laughs> action sequence you might have gotten on the off on the wrong foot with people and opening it with a more satirical tongue-in-cheek newscast not only are you getting some exposition out of the way in a fun and interesting way but you're also announcing this isn't just bullets and gore movie 
there's something going on behind all of this. And uh, I, I particularly like that low angle wide shot uh, that shows us the police precinct with the city in the background, which reminds me of Mad Max, the first George Miller movie, and then going into the squad room, also a little bit like Mad Max. But uh, when we finally get this, after a really nice bit of camera movement that sort of puts us in the center of it, and we recognize the guy playing the sergeant as somebody from a famous black exploitation movie, it's again kind of telling us where it lives. And then Peter Weller walks in, who um, looks fantastic. And the contrast, of course, between this dilapidated Fort Apache precinct and the OCP office couldn't be more dramatic. And the casual nudity that comes into play, which is sort of it's all Signa- Starship Troopers. Signature Paul Verhoeven yeah. dangling dicks, which we don't get much of here, but just the fact that the men and women are changing in the same space uh, is 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 very Dutch, isn't it? Is that it's, it? I don't know. I know they ride I bicycles. <laughs> I didn't. Is, I honestly think it might speak more to the desexualization of women that he's going for in this movie. For that, sure. That when we find uh, our female lead, he went, Verhoeven went to great lengths to take this, uh, who was previously kind of a sex pot, like often a very sexualized character in her films, and chop her hair off, which at the time was a little bit different, and uh, put her in an andro- androgynous uniform. And I think, yeah, so here's a little, of women. Oh, oh, there's Cecil. Here's a little tip of the hat to Howard Hawks. Uh, there are many moments in Howard Hawks films where the, the, the bunk of the person who has just died is there, there. Their stuff is taken away and boxed up, and and or the, in this case, it's a yeah. locker. But this is a very Hawksian kind of moment, I think. Poor Cecil. I, can you even pic- picture Cecil working a beat? I mean, when uh, doing anything but wearing glasses. Is all he does is carrying a cardboard lockers, box. I think. Well, that would be a full time job in this, in this police place, department. Yeah. 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 And I don't necessarily agree with John. I think jumpsuits and body armor are pretty hot. So I would also <laughs> argue that the first woman that we see in there is bare-breasted. So I, you know, desexualizing or not, maybe. So the first move is sexualized. The second move is desexualized. I don't know. Well, I don't think there was anything sexual about that. But he was making a real point to that no one cared. Right. Right. So typically, cinematic uh, Hollywood have your bread buttered on both sides yes right? of course and that's very dutch i think <laughs> of, of people who enjoy a sloppy Toast. breakfast yeah. <laughs> pretty neat i love it Great i think line. that nancy allen this is one of the best things that she ever did and she's really really gets to hold her own against everybody in this movie and she had been such a sort of sex object in the De Palma films and yeah. in, that, it, that this is i'm sure this must have been a joy for her to actually do something this different for Taurus who knew that it could even peel out I'm hoping you're going to be keeping us uh, clear on what weapons and what automobiles are being used throughout this film Jason there are a few instances that I do where I, I I'm going to point out a flub or two with weapon handling that irritate me but there he is Felton Perry last seen getting blown up in Magnum Force when he opened up his mailbox uh, another Another victim of being Dirty Harry's partners, one of many dead partners Harry left behind. And the great Miguel Ferrer, who I remember when he was, there were some scripts that he was writing that were going around Hollywood around oh, really? this time. Yeah, he and Clooney, I think, wrote one together. And I just remember the epigraph inside of it had some quote, and underneath it it said, some French fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did stuff with, didn't he do stuff with Carrie Fisher too? I think, I feel like they were, I know that they were close. I thought they did uh, some writing collaborations back then, but maybe I'm wrong. 
yeah, this conference room is fantastic. Oh, I know. They're masters it, of the world the looking reveal, out over everything. Yeah, the reveal is so great. And this idea that, you know, the, that the corporate kings are in charge now. And so that this is its own kind of, you know, every, every corporation is its own kingdom. And so we've got to. So let's note the old man's desk. I had a friend who had a very rich uncle who lived in a, a large comfy house and he had that same desk thing with the built-in phone and knickknacks on it and i thought it was really cool and i now realize it's like a pocket calculator with a phone on it <laughs> that's all that's all delta city oh. and i wonder who the junior exec is that uh mr kenny like what's he in charge of that he actually gets invited to this meeting right <laughs> like with, with the old man with dick jones with the i mean the big ed209 reveal what What's this little dude well, doing there? You know, they don't really imply it in the text of the film, but maybe there was some foresight about what was going to happen here. Like, well, we're, <laughs> we're going to need one guy to point a gun at that tune. And send up intern Kinney, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's that kid in the mailroom who keeps fucking up? Well, send him up. You think he could hold a gun? <laughs> <laughs> so Dan O'Hurley, he is, um, you know, he was a he's a veteran Hollywood actor. It was really cool to see him in this. He, both this and the Last Starfighter were a couple of roles that he had in the in the nineteen eighties that kind of brought him back. But he, I remember as a kid seeing him uh, in as Macduff in Orson Welles's Macbeth. Really, and, I I remember yeah. not remember, but I thought he was terrific in Failsafe as General oh, right. Black. Yeah, who has to drop safe. the nuke on New York. Yeah, Failsafe and Twin Peaks are what I go to besides this movie when i see dan o'hurley uh i think we all go to halloween three what oh of course i can't forget that (laughs) Uh, seriously i mean i love that movie yeah i love that movie i say good business is where you find it it's so great the bank of tvs in the background and with what he's saying we're getting a real privatization of everything yeah yeah vibe so we're still world building we're still we're still sort of in a um amusing way filling you in on what this corporation does and what their what the ethos is behind the corporation, I, which I think is just bef- smooth bef- as silk. Before the gunplay, let's talk about the genius casting of Ronnie Cox. Not a traditional screen villain. Nope. A, Not, good, a good guy always, right? And there he is, and he is fantastic in this movie. And, you know, with the order of his films that I saw, I saw him as a villain twice before I ever saw. Him oh, really? Anything. Yeah, I saw this in Total Recall probably before I ever saw him in anything else. Oh my God, he's just so to so me he was it was the other way around. But so this Ed Two Hundred Nine is a full scale, non working model that now we cut to Phil Tippett's amazing stop motion, and it looks like the top of it was built from an old microphone mm-hmm. actually, and it yeah. doesn't quite match the the full size replicate. But they used um, VistaVision to do the stop motion animation with the rear screen. So that shot is being animated as the rear screen image is being projected. And that's one of the reasons that it looks so good because they're both physically right there. I mean, yes, one is a, a screen projection, but it's it's in the same frame. The camera's getting both of the images at the same time. Let's say about Phil Tippett, he's responsible for three pretty amazing, probably more, but in my mind, he's responsible for the Tauntauns in Empire Strikes Back. Which are go motion. Which are go motion. Ed 209 here. And then he was, the, I believe, the consultant, basically, on the movements of the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. So three major special effects uh, landmark films. And all done differently. And he, all done differently. Because this is old-style Harryhausen 
Yeah. Well, J- Jason, what kind of gun we got here? Well, that's a Desert Eagle. That's, what I that's a very flashy Desert 45 Eagle. 45 caliber, right? I believe either it's probably a 44 or 357 because it's not as obscenely huge as the 50 caliber. But let's talk about what kind of law enforcement AD209 is actually capable of besides telling you not to do something and then shooting you. <laughs> what nothing. what can it really do? It can't help you get a cat out of a tree. It can't help you down the stairs. No, <laughs> it can't really do anything except no. growl, tell you not to do it, and then fill you full of 20 millimeter slugs or rocket barrages. Oh boy, shouldn't have screwed up. I mean, how brilliant though was is that growl? I think that growl was yeah, such an interesting real, idea. That's amazing. I mean, is there any um, instance where Ed 209 does not kill you? I mean, right. even if he fires one bullet at you, <laughs> right. you're dead. So right. what? <laughs> there's no. Uh, disarming. I mean, I guess the disarming is if you listen to him and he doesn't go haywire and shoot you anyway. So what it I, doesn't fire a net or anything. What I don't right. get is why the slugs are not blowing the model and the glass apart behind him. But that's yeah, fine. I know. So <laughs> that's fine. They so really accurate. accurate. Yes. They blow through the back of him, but not. They don't do anything after that. But I mean, that's... I imagine some of those rounds went through the floor. And there he is, just spewing smoke and the scientists <laughs> horrified it's so great so it's so great though that dan's reaction dan hurley his reaction yeah you know, look at him at the end of the day i mean and he never says one word about a human life when he finally responds it's all disappointment dollars and cents and played as straight as an arrow it is just telling the audience that we are in the world of high camp Right, something ungodly catastrophic and unbelievably loud and traumatic just occurred, and they just, to them, it's it's the bottom line, which is pretty funny. I, I do think that we get a glimmer of humanity from O'Hurley here when he says a, just a glitch. I don't think you respond that way. Unless the human life, I think, played a little bit into it for him. I mean, only we get, we get him come around a little bit at Only the because end. the product is going to kill people and can't be sold. Sure, okay. I guess you're and right. And this fantastic whooping siren as we as we push in is so great. Yeah, so you kind of I, I like the contrast between the old school boardroom shark and the young venal '80s coke using, you know, the epitome of everything awful about '80s greed. Yeah, I think this stands with Die Hard as one of the great '80s movies yeah yeah you're right I, willis will ellis ellis would would fit nicely in the ocp boardroom with his with his definitely it's a rolex attitude that's life in the big city <laughs> uh, it's pretty awesome it's pretty awesome the elevator shots are great so this movie was budgeted at uh seven million dollars and i think it wound up costing 12 they went, they went holy a smokes over, way over schedule and over budget wow oh man ballsy move with the sig but he's yeah, actually who does really that, good. Right? He's really good at it too. Twirling a gun is not easy, but he's actually great. And we've got the futuristic square coffee cups. <laughs> let you know that this is not the present. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Please enjoy so, your beverage. So the film is very deftly telling us how it's going to tell the story in terms of point of view. You're going to be able to be away from the cops in the corporate room. You're going to be with the cops. You're going to be watching television news reports to fill us in and then we'll have one more iteration of point of view that kind of then says okay these these are the ways that the story is going to work this is what we're going to be seeing and then they've got a couple tricks up their sleeve that they will they will wait till later but it is very much establishing you know the the construction of the movie as it builds the world oh hopefully and here's the other iteration which is we are able to cut to the bad guys oh boy 
Nice work, dipshit. <laughs> Bobby, clearly the weakest link in this chain of the Boddicker gang. Yeah. <laughs> and what exactly does Ray Wise do? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I don't know. He's he certainly becomes the weak link. Once He's the Bobby pretty face out the, out the door. He's the guy who hangs out in the neon nightclubs and. Uh, so, Not sure. Yeah, but he boy, he sticks around for a little longer than most of them. Doesn't so he? if you watch clear, carefully in the background where there's this industrial structure, you will actually see the word Texas uh, across the name. It's like says Texas Industries or something like that. And it seems to be the one place where maybe we unless that's just the name of the company. Yeah. Um, but so, well, there, there we go. There was. Yeah, yeah you'll a, see it a couple of times. Texas Instruments. They passed that. Back to the they passed that building a lot. <laughs> <laughs> there it is again. You know, so. Um, How do we feel about the police procedure involved in this? I mean, uh, I like that each of these guys actually fires and pumps and fires again before they realize there's not a car there. It's sort of the gang that couldn't shoot straight. There we were. That shot we were coming up on Texas Industries. So it's funny how if you just watch that, where that piece of uh, architecture goes, it changes back and forth as we move up and down the street repeatedly. Yeah, there's Sears a little Sears the plug back there. Nice to know they have Sears in the future. Yeah, because we don't. We won't. See, now we're just coming back <laughs> up on that building again. <laughs> They're everywhere. It's a massive, it's, it's incredible a massive complex. Yeah. Yes. Miles and miles of it. And here's Bobby's actually actually being useful to the gang. Can you fly, Bobby? Oof. And a pained grunt from, from Lewis and oh boy. Yeah, what's amazing is it's the most lethal gang in detroit that is loaded with cop killers and they still uh backup's not close you know he's uh right. this guy's still writing a ticket for jaywalking or like is there anything more important than this particular gang right now on the police agenda and they still can't quite get backup units there well i think in the in the original script the, there was a scene with them earlier that they killed the cops so they would be wouldn't they be most important but i guess you know we're, we're past that script so we opened with a different scene. And but. now she's got a SIG where before she had a P9S. I'm going to overlook that. <laughs> it's fine. Well, you know, Nancy Allen. There's we got some steady cam work right here. It's very nice. It's pretty, yeah. I, I was going to point out really quickly that Nancy Allen was on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast recently and talked about how she had serious problems with how police procedure went in this movie at the time. I guess her dad was a cop. Oh, how funny. Uh, had kind of been raised to think of things a certain way, so... Her handing him her gun in the car, she protested that scene <laughs> many times. They had to get, finally shoot it. She finally had to give in to shoot it, but she really thought that was a bad move for her character. I thought that was kind of funny. What was standard police procedure when the criminal turns around and his dick's hanging out? <laughs> That's a Is good. that... Don't look down. <laughs> I do love the bubble pop and the piss stopping. That's great. That's so terrific. again, it's bad boy Paul Verhoeven saying, okay, what can I do to push this just one step further to make it just a tiny bit more vulgar? Mm -hmm. And he has such a great instinct about how to shock, you know? that's Right. It's, it's never too much, is it? It's just enough to nudge you. Oh. Oh. Well, as long as she lands on... On railroad ties, she should be fine. <laughs> God. Oh, this guy with his laugh, too. And I love that the, the the expendable grandfather of the gang is the one that he comes upon. Like, 
there he is. It's uh, it's I I don't know. Maybe Emil's stepfather is part of the gang or something. But this dude. <laughs> this guy is his awful watch cap. He sells newspapers on the <laughs> side, right? <laughs> extra, extra. Yeah, and then the amazing background of I'd buy that for a dollar. Uh, it's is just so been seared into my memory forever. <laughs> I, I I say it all the time. Easily the highest rate, rated show in this uh, particular reality. And I love Into the TV is great too. That's great. Yeah, it really, it rewards our cynicism all through and encourages it. You're you right. Know? I mean, You're it right. really is one of the things that makes it so special that it can oscillate back and forth between being so satirical and so outrageous and then, you know, at times just have these moments where you actually kind of care about these people. Oh, Lewis. Uh, here she is, piss-soaked and concussed and... Uh, oh, there's Joe. I remember being so shocked when I saw the a- actor playing Emil because I only remembered him from Fame. <laughs> really? really? He's one of the kids from Fame? Yeah, gay used to be such a happy word. Uh, yeah. Do you remember oh, that? That's oh. him. I remember him, too, from after this. Since he had a, a character on ER uh, in the later years that was infamous for. It was kind of the jumping the shark moment of ER where he had his arm chopped off by the helicopter on the roof of the hospital. Oh, my God. And that's what everybody went, what happened to the show? That oh, was very funny. bizarre. He's pretty good at you know, playing playing gory scenes, I guess. Had that for Herman experience. Well, yeah, the fact that he's casting kind of against type for these bad guys yeah. made it unusual. Mm. You know, none of these guys seem like your typical villains in a movie. I love the horsing around with the helmet. You know, what a showman Boddicker is. Everything is so showy and so calculated with him. But it's great. Yeah, Boddicker, you know, comes off as this. He looks like he could be an accountant, right? And it just makes it so interesting. And Ray Wise is so sort of classically handsome. That just seems really weird too. Again, he seems like he would be like a slick car salesman right. or something. Always smirking salesman. and sneering. Always smirking and sneering. Oh man. Although, buddy, I think your slime is kind of weak, right? It's throwing that out is it's it's a little bit weak to me. I think it speaks to his TV, TV fed idea of being a cop. I mean, him spinning, flipping guns around and everything. I mean, he was raised on the same shows we were, I guess. T.J. Laser. T.J. Laser. That's something T.J. Laser would say. So he said it. Was anybody here shocked when the when the hand was blown off? Yeah, what? just a little. I didn't. I was really shocked because I'd seen the movie many, many, many times before I saw the hand get shot off. Finally, in a version later, I'm really Man, surprised that we didn't get a point of view with the shotgun in the foreground, like a first person kind uh. of point of view. I think it's interesting that he chose not to do that because it does seem when he's doing that, it implies you would be watching this through a targeting device. Man, this is just so rough. What a he went as brutal as he possibly could, really. And so much him. so that he got an X, right? Yep. This is. I think this has got him the X, for sure. I mean, there's something particularly shocking about killing your lead this way. Oh, and that, yeah, and the headshot is what really, like, the fact that that seems to really destroy the, this lead guy cannot possibly come back, right? Right. And, of course, he's doing, there's a, there's a little Christ imagery here, too. We're definitely getting the... Arms out or arm out. I was going to say, singular. Case. 
and I will say this transfer I really like because the blacks are really black. Yeah. You know, you can see a little grain movement, but it's it's really a nice transfer. You really feel like this is what it probably looked like in the theater. It feels so, like a movie. So right there we're in Rob uh, Robertine. Yeah, that the head, that's an right? animatronic, that's an animatronic head. head. So yeah, we haven't mentioned him. We just did our coverage of the thing with obviously Robertine's great special effects there. And I, I didn't realize it was the same guy for a long time that did the... I was always so impressed with multiple facets of the special effects in this movie, particularly later when you get RoboCop Sans helmet. Uh, I always was like, how did they get that? It looks so seamless and perfect. But it's it's our guy, Rob. He's amazing. It's kind of extraordinary when you think about the legacy of starting with Dick Smith and then Rick Baker, who worked with... Dick Smith and then he sort of eclipsed Dick Smith and then Botine who worked for Baker kind of I mean it's a beautiful continuum yeah. you know of each one being informed you know standing on the shoulders of the of the giants before them who who trained them like Willis O'Brien you know leading to Ray Harryhausen sure I am absolutely stunned that there's like a medevac involved I remember thinking the fact that this guy's I, I was stunned that he's actually alive and going to a hospital given that the that headshot f- fully a third of his head is removed yeah it's pretty crazy i mean you, obviously the little bit of life i mean is that i'm forgetting now what is the the criteria for them using him um for robocop full body prosthesis yeah yeah wow But the fact that we've got these point of view shots, shots, I mean, these suggest to us that he is still, that there's still some consciousness, right? Yeah. Because I remember reading some of the early press and they were like, he's dead and he's he's not resuscitated and he's um, turned into a robot. And that was just, I guess, bad, bad pre-press because clearly these shots and everything else are saying there is still consciousness. And his upper body is unmarred, his vest did its job too. And of course, then these memories as well. So that's the other iteration of point of view is that you're going to be inside of his head occasionally. Yeah. All of these things laid out very methodically in this first act so that by the time we get to the reveal of RoboCop, everything has been very clearly established. Yeah. And I would I would argue that the, the memories, we get them a lot more later as well. That's kind of what takes, to me, that's what takes this movie one step further. Like the fact that we can get into his mind in that sense and and get to an emotional core of a character in a movie like this, I mean it would have been a fun movie uh, without him, without all of that. But the fact that Weller plays the scene so well and the I think the flashbacks are done so well. Well, the other thing really about the flashbacks the is interesting that they, I feel like they added to that in the editing process because yeah. some of these shots, um, some are direct point of views, but some of them don't have that wide angle kind of memory thing going on with them. And so right. you wonder whether they sort of realized, oh, we can add some more stuff that we've kind of already seen to just make it even more intense. And the great transition to the video vision of RoboCop after his death is so cool. Yeah, and we're in complete freefall because there's nothing we can do to control this situation, and we don't know exactly where this is headed. And for him to just boldly put us inside of you know, Murphy's point of view... Is, is pretty amazing from a storytelling point of view. Yeah, the development phase of RoboCop is totally told from his point of view. Yeah. 
I always thought these were fun graphics, even though I didn't know if they made any sense, really. Even though we're being, <laughs> and we, we're having screws drilled into our heads, yeah. clearly. And this is a particularly heartless aside. Yeah. This question about whether or not to amputate his remaining arm. I mean, you wouldn't have had to do that, but it is clearly thematically telling us what kind of a ruthless attitude the corporation has. Oh, and, you know, he signed a release, so, you know, that kind of attitude. Well, he signed a release, so we might as well. It's, it's and an NDA, I'm sure. Your, right? Yeah. <laughs> wow, look at that thing. So, yeah, this is our first glimpse at RoboCop, any part of him, at least. I guess I notice how special the script is compared to movies today i don't know why but it just it really strikes me as something that's constantly being innovative and surprising and not spoon feeding us and when when it's giving us information it's doing it in an unusual way i mean i can't think of any marvel movie that does anything like this yeah i'm not sure the party (laughs) yeah i'm not sure what movies made today would would compare i mean it's a different we're in a different time you know this is definitely of its time but you well certainly no marvel movies doing anything like this but this i don't know if this one really com- this a movie like this really compares it's just it would a be an a, it'd be an a24 movie today. this would be an a24 or a blumhouse a24 cl- collaboration or something like that you know like upgrade or some movie like that you know what i mean Been very encouraging, Robocop. Yeah, for a, a hey, complete on, brick, right? But oh, there, that's great. Yeah, the TV shot is a beautiful choice. Just one little glimpse of it. So them. we've got the Mercury XR4 Ti and the GM Astro Vans yeah, rushing right. Robocop to. The, used to have an Astro Van just like that for about a year. That explains your continued virginity. I have a child, Jason. It's called adoption. Look it up. And they sweep in with their billions of dollars of gear into this falling apart precinct. And they don't give a shit. No. What what the cops here think about any of it. Yeah. That's a lot of power to tell a cop to fuck off. When you think about the films that Verhoeven had made prior to this, the European films, which are which are all extraordinary, he must have just been thrilled to have these kind of resources and be able to yeah you know i mean it shows it's a very well planned out movie i just love how he gives you just little bits of them you get get one arm you get a shot of tv yeah that's true you get a shoulder and making you wait for it and then having all these cops react the same way we are in our minds you know like oh yeah let's see this thing I would argue that the ideas are coming so fast and precise and furious for the first 35 to 40 minutes of this movie that it almost can't keep up with itself once you move into the second half of the film. You know, it just, it, it, it is, it, it, they do stop throwing the ideas at you yeah. um, in this, with this kind of volume in the second half of the film. Mm-mm. 
Even the idea of baby food becomes a visual motif we get to a little bit later. Hmm. And he loves it. <laughs> he really <laughs> he likes. He really goes to town on it. He really likes RoboCop's excrement. Uh, oh. I mean, that's what it is. First close-up, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I love how smooth his face is. Yeah, his commitment to movement, Peter Weller, uh, the way that he, the way that he moves, which we'll be pointing out, I, I guess, throughout this, are, is really extraordinary. I mean, talk about a guy that's, he's bringing a hundred percent to this thing. You know, there's a, a comparison to be made since we always have to talk about Star Trek uh, to the choices Brent Spiner made when he was playing Data, where if you watch, he constantly moves his head a little bit to always be suggesting. That data has got something worrying. The servos are going. Where Weller here, I think he's far more reserved in that sense, but he's, he chooses his moments, I think, a little bit better as far as the movement. But they always come off a little artificial, but not so much so that the humanity's not there. Didn't you the say he trained with a mime or something? He did train with a mime. And I guess the sad story is that almost none of the stuff that he and the mime worked on actually was doable in the suit. Was it Shields or Yarnell? And that one went right over my head, Jason. I have you no idea. Oh, no. Wow. So really? It was a big pause. I was like, well, Sorry, nobody's guys. laughing. I, I guess what... I should have chuckled. It's a 70s mime troupe. That's, that is, in fact, who appear in the conversation down in, oh, uh, that, down in the Right, right, right. Marine Yarnell, and I forget Shield's first name. Here we have the amazing up on my 70s Nine, Sorry. A modified Beretta 93R. Caliber being nine millimeter, and it it vomits out nine millimeter rounds in three round bursts, and they just gussy it up and put those huge blade sights on it and the giant rear sights, and holy hell is that cool! And the in leg holster, which I thought as a kid was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, and again, we're not in um, merely wounding the uh, suspect territory here. I believe that gun is meant to kill whoever. I mean, he could. I guess he can squeeze off a shot, right? Yeah, Robo could absolutely shoot guns out of hands. That's not what he's going to do. Yeah, I don't. That think is true. You're right. Well, he <laughs> should. He could. He could disarm right. easily. <clears throat> You're right. Oh, he shot another guy in the hand. No, he's going to yeah. blow off nutsacks. He's going <laughs> to empty guys. He's going to. He is going to blow hearts out with three round bursts. He makes very. Yeah, he makes some precise shots when they're particularly cruel. I so. love that shot of the precinct. It's so great. It's dwarfed by all the corporate hugeness yep. around it. Yeah, really nice. Really so nice. Just lets you know kind of how helpless the police are against rich and poor. Oh, and I think I think right here we have our introduction of the theme, of the Robocop theme, right? So I think this is the first time we get the um Yeah, it, when he's on patrol. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so we gotta talk about old Basil, one of the great Do you know he was born in Kansas City? I I was surprised when I heard him speak and he didn't have an accent. I always assumed he was Greek or... He grew, well, he's of a Greek family. Yeah, he grew up here in Kansas City. Is and, that and, guy buying an Iron Man comic? Yeah. I oh, uh, or is it an, a ROM a comic? I was going to bring up the uh, ROM... Oh, what's his name? Rob the Robot Warrior? Space Warrior? I can't remember what that comic book's called. But that was kind of the original idea of RoboCop was that he would be a full robot. Um, and based a little bit off the old Marvel comic ROM... So that might have been, I think, because I think they planted a few ROM comics throughout here. You might notice that if you're familiar with uh, Star Wars, that guy's gun is the Imperial Blaster. That's a Sterling submachine gun, yep. which were modified into 
E11 blaster rifles for stormtroopers, although this has a large carbine barrel on it. Made of rubber. What, yeah, which, yeah, it wouldn't really work <laughs> what Robo's going to do unless the guy was just as strong as he is, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, the guy is able to <laughs> hold the gun still. Yeah, <laughs> right, when you're right. Fact, I never really thought about hurled that. over Robo's shoulder by the... <laughs> This is another Verhoeven innovation is the fuck me saying fuck me over and over again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because that was definitely not the script is Verhoeven just say fuck me over and over again. It was on set. And I guess that guy was a stu- the stunt man that did the stunt there. They just used him as an actor. Please call your cold case insurance agency. I, want, I, I was going to point out we were talking, but I always liked that woman's performance. She always she, I always really felt for her. She seems thoroughly legitimately scared. And I kind of wonder... I think she's just kind of an extra or just a, you know, a professional actor, but from the Dallas area. And I kind of wonder if she just doesn't like having a gun pointed at her prop gun or not. She, she always reacts really well to having that gun pointed at her. I always felt for her. Great shot. A right. lot of the supporting actors are very convincing and interesting. Yeah. They did a good job. So this scene seems to me to be the one even more so than the previous scene that kind of says, okay, we're in comic book territory mm-hmm. where these random outrageous crimes happen that seem kind of exaggerated to say yeah, the th- least this oh, crime yeah. was something out of the warriors you know it's it's something that's overdone overwrought overplayed and in case you don't get it there's a giant shadow to help clue us in that this is larger than life yeah yeah it looks like something that gort might cast right 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 this was so cool as a kid seeing this <laughs> This and this, I, I think they might have cut. I'm pretty sure that was in the TV version, right there. I do, I do not remember not seeing that. ABC was trying to get ratings. Clearly, I guess <laughs> maybe they used to. I, I I feel like they used to get kind of lackadaisical about their of the th- of the three networks. ABC always showed you more. Well, I remember. I think after ABC Movie of the Week, they were kind of like, "Oh, we can push boundaries in ways yeah. we never really realized before." And so, I think they were easier on their movies when they had to edit them. Well, there was the one time I might have talked about this once before, where we were watching uh, Clint Eastwood's Heartbreak Ridge on the ABC Sunday Night Movie, and he's asked like, "How are things going?" And Clint Eastwood says, "It's a real clusterfuck, sir." On and it was on TV. I remember my dad going, "What?" Oh, wow. <laughs> like, somebody just missed it, <laughs> and it was on TV. So I think they could just be lackadaisical. Maybe they just didn't care, you know. They had their own standards and practices. Maybe they just didn't care. That previous shot uh, trailing the car through that tunnel, there's a tunnel exactly like that in Los Angeles, and I wonder if that's not a second unit shot that they picked up after the fact. I mean, maybe there's one just like that in Dallas, and I've just never driven through it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've been to Dallas a couple times. I've never seen a tunnel. I'm not sure why they would need one. It's actually an underpass, but it feels like a tunnel. Oh, okay. What do we think made Ron Miller snap? What do we think made City Councilman Ron Miller go bazooka? Ooh, no. oh, go nutty in there and Jesus, walk in with the a newsie. bureaucracy of, of so, Detroit's got to be overwhelming. This was not long after. Was this after the city councilman walked into the city council meeting when the cameras were rolling and put the gun yeah. to his head and oh, pulled his head off? Uh, but uh, the Pennsylvania treasurer, Bud, whatever his name is, with the 44. That was yeah, after, This I, was after that, right? Uh, yeah, I be- yeah. I mean, yeah. I believe this is direct. Uh, direct like, yeah, connection yeah, to that direct yeah. connection to it yeah. yeah are you invincible says the reporter <laughs> <laughs> what, a great, what a great question yes i am even your god cannot no, hurt me 
Okay, so let's talk about a little bit about the back and forth here between our negotiator and uh, and the city councilman <laughs> because I always thought this was hilarious. Uh, so once again, yeah, and it's the movie telling us this is absolutely crazy, and you have to just understand that we're going to go. This is the kind of joke that would be an airplane. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just so completely out of this world. Get his list of demands, like a car with really shitty gas mileage. <laughs> well, the 6,000 no. SUX is 8.2 miles per gallon. Yeah, we know that. So, so okay, so tell me this. Uh, for a long time, I didn't know what the hell he said at the end here, but he says, we'll get you a blow punk. We'll even throw in a blow punk. Yeah. yeah. Now, well, is, is, is our city councilman mad because he would rather have like a uh, Dolby sound system or is he? Or no, is it, or that's, is it the just best, that, that's the best stereo you could get at the time. Was yeah, a blau so why is he? I, so he just sensed the uh, I think he knows the guy's snarkiness. He says, yeah. you don't jerk me off, right? He knows he's being screwed with. <laughs> I just think yeah. it would be fun. Like that particular brand of stereo won't do. Okay, so now he probably should have just shot through the wall, don't you think? Yeah, because this this is a little dodgy. This move that Robo makes here, I'm, I, I it seems like he could have squeezed off a few rounds right there, pretty <laughs> pretty easily. Yeah, I love the cameras following the guy down. That's my favorite. Watch, right. Okay, that cuts away here. <laughs> yeah, right here. Look, You're, watch uh, legs up. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't get it in the first cut, but the second one you get the legs. You hit up. the mattress. Yeah. Lee Iacocca oh, Elementary School. Oh, no, Lee Iacocca Elementary yeah. School. Another yeah. great it's joke terrific. that gets built in. And this was right, this was hardcore Lee Iacocca era. I think my dad had his book on the you know, nightstand or something when this movie came out. Did they ever get the RoboCop statue in Detroit? No, that, I, no, I it think it never they, happened, right? Oh, that was, or it was GoFundMe or something? Or GoFundMe that Will, Weller was su- <laughs> supported it, of course. And them chuckling over Acapulco <laughs> getting rocket attacked. Yeah, meanwhile, all the stuff was going down in Central America prior to this, so it seems like not much of a jump. And here's the board game, which the best <laughs> takes us even further into the realm of the absurd. <laughs> it doesn't even to me. It doesn't seem that absurd. It does kind of seem like something that would be real. You know, nowadays with your Cards Against Humanity style uh, board games, maybe we would have. I'm surprised we don't have. Like this is something Mondo would do, right? They if did this, the Outpost 31 if game. They had Why would they do Nukem? Yeah. In the Reagan era, that game would have existed. Oh, sure. Yeah, Mario Machado, who had a great side hustle doing doing big screen roles. And then he was rendered completely insignificant by the likes of Wolf Blitzer and yeah. all of the big. Well, any room stars. that Wolf Blitzer goes into instantly becomes a situation room. <laughs> Well, so uh, that's without saying. So our buddy Rob Morton here's getting real limelight now. He's getting tight close-ups and interviews on the on the news. He's really taken off. Look how punchable that guy is next to him. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, they really did cast some good yuppies. Oh, man. seriously, smarmy ass wipes. <laughs> uh, uh, let's, let's tap our executive cards together. Cheers. Just oh. a quick note that the <laughs> crime fighting montage that we saw with those three incidents, you know, kind of like. Dirty Harry out doing his thing. Yeah. That all comes 30, 35 minutes into the movie. So I just think it's really extraordinary how much of the origin story gets done. It's interesting. It's over. And now, in a way, the movie's kind of a movie in search of a plot. Like, who, who is going to... We've seen the bad guys before, the guys who did him in. So the right. obligatory idea is that will it, will it will eventually become some kind of a revenge thing or some kind of justice thing to get back at the guys right. who did this to him. No, I've always thought that in this scene, everyone is aware that Jones has taken a shit, but these two, I just don't, they're like, hey, he's in there. They're like pointing towards the stall. 
Like Jones is taking a dump in there. At least it's a bathroom shit. scene with bathroom humor in it. You yeah. Know? Think yeah. about how many bathroom scenes don't seem to do any of this kind of stuff. So other things go on in bathrooms, clearly, in most movies. And Dick Jones, having just taken a shit, will seize Robert Morton's hair with his unwashed hands. <laughs> yes, he, you're right. So let's he has let's, not note, his hands let's note that. That's heavily subjugating your underling. <laughs> I mean, let's humiliate him. He probably just eschewed toilet paper when he heard who it was. Maybe used his hand. Yeah. Right. I don't care about the five ply that we have here at OCP Executive. The word boner always gets a oh, laugh. Oh, it, the whole thing gets a laugh. Yeah, one no, time, it's just hilarious. One time I even called him a, a asshole. Lot worse. <laughs> what? What? Oh, yeah. A, lo- a lot worse was the TV version. That's one right. time I even called him a lot, a lot worse. worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Iron butt boner asshole. Wow. <laughs> But I love he, who cares if it worked or not is a great line, right? It tells you exactly where their ethics are. They're in the same toilet where he was just dumping. And yet corporate culture has had the last laugh on all of us, hasn't certainly, it? Certainly. Certainly. How's that bailout yeah. treating him, right? Yeah. And the thing is, he's not a sweet old man. That's my favorite part, right? He is... Absolutely, a pragmatic master. Compared to them, I don't. He's not an obvious shark, but that's because he's the king. Right, he doesn't have to. Right, exactly. How do you think he got there? These are all the courtiers that are having to kill each other to get to the top. Yeah, sure. He looks like his little Richelieu right here, doing all of his dirty work. But uh, oh god, he didn't wash his hands. (laughs) (laughs) Guess who had turkey a la king in the cafeteria? (laughs) Five chili burgers, Bob. That's what he's saying right here. It was five chili burgers I just ate. <laughs> Unholy monsters, another great line. It's a bit Frankenstein. Because it is. It it, yeah. it tells you that, hey, look, what I was doing was technologically, you know, I'm not yeah. using I'm not reanimating a dead man. That's what you did, and that's actually yeah. on a fundamental level horrifying. And it's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. No. I mean the both of them are horrible on different levels. Well, they but, have their reasons, right? That's yeah. what Renoir said about villains, you know, they have their reasons. Hey, you want some of this McRib? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. I'm. I eat better than you. I'm actually a doctor. I'm not just a tech. eating the baby food. It's right. Sushi. <laughs> oh, this is great. This whole Weller's. Oh, the, the, here's some more physical performance. Yeah, from Weller yeah. His that I think cringing is fantastic. and flin- yeah, cringing and flinching is pretty horrifying. All the way through till he leaves. I mean, the, the well, and this is really interesting too, right? Because Boddicker shows up on the monitor. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, you which see is his, like you see his dreams. So yeah. weird. Which yeah. I Fantastic. never noticed for a long time. I never noticed that, and maybe it was like because it was cropped out of my TV version, but or partially cropped. But yeah, that's very strange. I mean, what a discovery that would be if they actually saw it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah like, right. Like, dear God, we could read minds. They just missed a piece of technology <laughs> that they have unwittingly copyrighted and patented. It's pretty great. Were you really going to go to war-torn Acapulco next week? Really? And the only <laughs> thing preventing it is they blew up the airport? You think they'd still have cliff diving? Bucket Boy. Do you think Bucket Boy's their go-to name, or do they call him all kinds of stuff? Oh, yeah. That's great. That's yeah. great. When he dies in the dream, it, that's terrific. And look how assertive he is now. He's He's marching, not walking. See, all of this, this is fantastic. There, there's the body moving. The before body before the head. the head. Here's a head before the body. I yeah. think that I think that was the only body before the head in the whole movie. I just always been fascinated by that maneuver. And that guy's. A I also like just the way that 
Verhoeven goes to this, you know, steady cam slash handheld. It's a bumpy steady cam if if it is a steady cam shot. A little panicky. But yeah, like it's a classical use of when you go to handheld, but he he's really on it. You know, it works beautifully for me anyway. Maybe I'm just an old man. Oh, Pappy, you're fine. <laughs> you're, you're all right. I want my aesthetics the way I grew up with them. We'll see if we can get you some three strip Technicolor for for the next one. <laughs> she takes a lot of heat for just saying hello. No, yeah. you know, it's here's the thing. Brutal. I, I always took it that way, but I really think this guy's like, oh, good, a scapegoat. Because he fucked up, right? I mean, he's the one in charge of this right. situation. The guy takes off. He goes, oh, cool. I can blame it on her now. I always just thought it was kind of overreacting. A with cop I think and a woman. Classic can, strategy, yeah. yeah. I love the lighting on him on the close-up. It's great. Yeah, it really is beautiful, it's isn't great. it? great. So is she the only one, uh, am I forgetting something, is she the only one that realizes that's Murphy? Or that's is that kind of common That's knowledge? a terrific question. I don't know. May, I mean, she, I like it. That well, it, no one else is. in the precinct would really know him, right? I mean, yeah. he died on day one, so he she's the only hours. one. Tough, he died two hours into his first right. Tough first day at work, man. <laughs> oh. Want to clean out his locker? Uh, there was nothing in it. Yeah. it was he never even got a locker. Yeah, it, it, his, <laughs> he just never emptied his duffel bag. See, I think this guy's moving up at OCP. He knows exactly what to do. That Ro- co- RoboCop just drove off. It's my fault. I can now turn and point a finger at someone else. Roosevelt, he's a dipshit. Another punchable face when he's in his face. Ah, ah, doing the voice stress thing. I hate that guy. Shooting his cuff links. Nice. I just think the energy in all of these scenes is really extraordinary. You know, everybody is yeah. everybody is wide awake. They didn't have pizza before lunch before they shot this scene. Man, everybody is ready to go. Grabbing the arm, threatening a cop. Right, just that reminder of the power of the company. Well, I will say, you know, Mitch, to speak to the, what you just said, I think Verhoeven's kind of known for that, right, to, for having a real high energy set. Yeah, to the point that some people really hate him, and sometimes he can scream and push, but. He'll also demonstrate the energy he wants, and I think you actually see it for a second in the movie. If I'll point to it when we get there, he shows up for one quick cut. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's definitely him, point and that it's out. Literally, him getting the set going, like because he needed it to be. So the actor who's playing um, the sergeant, mm-hmm. do you remember him from from? I think it's either Foxy Brown or Cleopatra Jones. He gets his head blown off. He's a pimp. He wears he wears bright oh, colors. Sounds like somebody that Tamara Dobson would shoot the hell out of in Cleopatra. She Jones. shoots him right in the head with a shotgun. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I know what you're talking about. If there's one takeaway here, it's Emil hates fancy book learning. <laughs> College he, boy, and what is that, better than me? What is the thing he opens up? That CD thing? That monster? Like, what does that have to do with gas pumps? But look at him. This gimmick here, it, and it, it like turns on the gas pump. As, uh, it's weird. Oh, it's but, a it's a combination change drawer and control panel for maybe, the, for the but gas. it looks like it's like arming a I weapon. I love the I love the um hoses. Yeah. They're they don't seem very strong, these hoses <laughs> for the gasoline. They're not the heavy rubber hoses that we have now. They're colorful. Times were tough in Detroit, you know, they went cheap on a lot. 
So I guess from what I understand, this entire sequence was done pretty much to the chagrin of everyone in Dallas. Oh, really? And the fire department, and they had to kind of get it all done real fast. Um, but the fire department definitely did not want them to blow up this gas station, <laughs> but they did it. And uh, they even were able, they had to squeeze in all the shots with the fire in the background, I, I guess were squeezed in in a couple hours because they were just like running around trying to get as many shots with fire in the background as they could get. I love Before the pivot. Shut it down. The pivot and gun draw right now. Oh, yeah. That's great. Well, I know they were shooting with four and five cameras a lot of the time. Yeah. So. But so this he, night stuff looks gorgeous. Just, yes. it is so beautiful. It's film, buddy. You couldn't get this on digital. Sorry. So Emil's pretty quick. He's pretty smart. He catches on that this is Murphy right away. All you have to hear is that one line, right? It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's, it, well, when you hear, I guess you're you're because he was pretty terrified right when he heard it the first time. Right. So yeah, he just saw his uncle his get shot a little right bit. in front of him. That hose. Yeah, it's pretty pretty. <laughs> she, yeah, he did just see his uncle get blasted. <laughs> uncle Louie, who's in the gang, kind of as a favor to his mom. Oh man, Beat it, <laughs> like the idea that his mom was like, "Give Uncle Louie a place in your gang." <laughs> Isn't there room in your little club? Not making any money at <laughs> the newsstand. Kill, he'll kill people if you need him to. It's cool. <laughs> your little club with the oh. shotguns and whatnot. Wow, that's an that's pretty amazing. It's stunt. an amazing shot. Yeah. So they get this all this stuff, and then they have to get this after. Um, Oof. Well, that's a rough. That's a. It's rough just so actually. amazing that these bad guys managed to get away. You know, considering the body count in the previous montage you know that right. this guy actually manages to survive is is i don't know so i think well so robo clearly wants him alive right, right? exactly so he shoots the motorcycle right. yeah he's he's doing the right thing so apparently this was shot with sirens bearing down on them and the entire fire department going to shut them down uh -oh. they're like we gotta get this we gotta get this i think that's kind of amazing how funny It'd be really stressful. You'd have to nail it. Thank God for ADR. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. I sure. love the data spike on the hand. I don't like the fake hand as it bends down. It looks a little. What we're not talking right. about here in, here in a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it the the hand the arm the forearm as as it deploys is not quite angled right. Cecil, would you just shut up? I love Cecil. <laughs> what, 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 what are you looking for? <laughs> No, I bug. Whoop, not quite. Oh, right. that's an interesting move. Like he must uh -huh. have a backward rivet or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is a little Star Warsy. You stick something in a hole and it gives you information. Yeah, no kidding. Nice lighting on him there too. The weird computer lighting. Thankfully, there are convenient holes everywhere mm -hmm. for this thing to go into. I love that his eyes pop. A little bit in that video screen. Now they're dark again, but before there, there's this moment where you see them. And then he goes right to the KAs, and boom. Steve, Joe, Steve Min, Leon Nash, Joe Cox, Steve the Hammer Min. Oh, boy. Boddicker's felony rap. Oh, my God. Is there enough data space in the computer? <laughs> Do we have he's, enough RAM? He's done it all, hasn't he? God. Very accomplished criminal. So he's suspected of murdering so he's murdered Murphy. a cop after Murphy. Did you see that? Yeah. Because it was Fredrickson, then Murphy, and then Alcott. So he's, he's, he's kept on killing. So wait, is Fredrickson, the, the, he's the cop from that they talk about at the beginning, right? Yeah. So it goes so yeah, Fredrickson, was, then Murphy, and then Alcott. So in... In the text of the film, he is the guy who killed that cop. Okay. Yeah. 
I love that the cops get little headshots of themselves in the computer. I mean, like like right? actual headshots. Right, like not, it'd normally be clutching a hat in front of a flag, but instead we get, you know, kind of a fun candid. Let's go to the park. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, precinct candids in the yearbook. Okay, so to, to me, this is what I'm talking about. Like, not just the flashbacks, but this mm. is what takes the movie over the top for me. Like, this is where you really start feeling for Murphy. Yeah. And uh, this is one of the last big ideas in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And this would probably be our midpoint, right? Would we call this our midpoint of the film? I think so. Close to it. We are 55 minutes in, so yeah, yeah. coming up on... That was a pretty nice house for a cop to live in, by the way. Yeah, especially considering apparently cops are just shit on. Maybe um, maybe his wife had a wife, good job. His wife had was, money. Yeah. She was the, the breadwinner. Yeah. I don't get why the house is not cleaned up. That's... Oh, because they, it's been broken into many times. That's what I, I thought about that, too, before. And I go, oh, this is Detroit. Some gang of kids came running through the neighborhood and broke in and burned stuff. And they just got the hell out of mugs. Dodge as soon as he died, probably. That right? seems yeah. like one of your crazy make-em-ups. It is. It's a total crazy make up, oh. but it makes sense. It's it's crime-ridden Detroit. Oh, I love they have a TV cart like we all did. Yeah. In whatever you're in that in be, that yeah. place, right? Yeah. In that let's put the TV on a cart. And here's your Commodore PET with the real turn on. <laughs> right. We see the world's greatest dad mug is sitting there broken. I'm telling you that had to be kids. Had to be a roving game. How do you Yeah, but broken and burned? And burned. It's like it got shot by TJ Laser. They put firecrackers in it. But all this stuff, yeah. So is some of this post-funeral, post-funeral flowers. Yeah, and but stuff? it's weird. It's like, why was it all burned? <clears throat> That's what's weird. I'm telling you, Jason, it's vandalism. <laughs> I insist it must be. There's nothing else it could be. In a nice neighborhood like Primrose Lane. Sure, they go. They can drive cars. Gangs can drive cars. They can go to neighborhoods. What kind of childhood did you have? A uh, pretty good one. Short. One where I was allowed to watch RoboCop recorded off TV. Nice. Did you pause the commercials as you watched it, or did you always I can't have remember if that one had commercials? Was Some not. of them had commercials. I had lots. Of, there were lots of movies I watched with commercials over and over again. I was super nerdy, and I got a second deck as soon as I could afford one, so then I could dub them and oh, pause the commercials out. Yeah, that's good. This house is crazy. Okay, here, everybody has to walk like 60 feet to get to any room. This is some of the best. To me, I've always loved that. It's almost like he's about to short circuit or something, the way he performs that. And then this crazy jump is amazing. Yeah. Like, there is nothing obligatory between the two. It's like, boom, we're here. And we're just going to keep go this sucker going. You know, I think that's a really great move. There is a In, in another director's hands, they might feel like, oh, you got to see him get into the car and the car drive up and then the car drive. You know what I mean? Well, and walk past the bouncer. Yeah. But boom, it's a re- just it, cut into it. This is a direct reaction to yeah. what he just saw, right? So, yeah, it's great. Because honestly, RoboCop's kind of in rogue mode here, right? We're not. Hold on. I'm about to, I got to point out the Paul Verhoeven cameo. It's okay. here in a second. It's not the guy catching the gun, though. That would have been good. No, it's Verhoeven it shrieking is... at the camera and boogieing. That's when he's getting dragged away. Right, right? There. there he is. There's Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> oh, how funny. Going crazy. <laughs> anyway, so Robo- this isn't procedural. Like, this isn't something he really should be doing. He, This is a personal. He's he's Because of the the scene in the house, RoboCop's taking it personal. 
right? I mean, that's what we're seeing here. There's no reason for him particularly to go out arresting these guys. Yeah. And you wonder what OCP thinks about that, right? Yeah, oh, He's OCP not would not like it at all if they knew about it, yeah. And I love how everybody in the club essentially ignores him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's just... I mean, in, in Detroit, in old Detroit, that's just a mind. A guy right? dressed like that, that came through here last week. Doesn't your city have a RoboCop? Come on. That reporter said he was invincible. Right. That's, that's kind of interesting, but. <laughs> Not even your God can destroy me. Oh, he is invincible. This scene's so So great. Rob Morton's house is only slightly nicer than uh, Murphy's right, house. Right, than a working cop, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course, he's spending a lot of money on cocaine. That's probably why, yeah. yeah. He, he had to budget and decided. <laughs> hookers and coke. Debt. Maxed another credit card with my Coke dealer. <laughs> no more credit, Morton. Come on. Save some for me. Sexy models in Detroit, I guess, the fashion sure. capital of the world where supermodels all hang out with his media block. So I think I've always heard the story. I can't remember where I heard the story, but, the, but I think it was Ferrer told the story that this is one of those places where Verhoeven's English. He didn't quite get it. Like some... Some of the nuances of English. So the line there is, bitches leave. And Verhoeven didn't know that it was derogatory. And I guess he, that's how he referred to the actresses uh, on set. And no. They, and, no, seriously. He goes, bitch, you go over there, bitches, you go over there. And he was directing them, and Ferrer had to take him aside and go, dude, yeah, don't. They don't like that, man. He's like, oh, okay. Like, it was just a moment. Oh, uh, so the thing. characters were called bitches in the script or something? Maybe. maybe? That, that's very that's possible. He... But he was actually calling, like, <laughs> And not in a derogatory way. It was just like very nice. Going, bitch, one new glow. Like he didn't know everybody's name. They must have been called set. bitches in the script or something. I man. think there's, yeah. there's a good possibility. Or the fact yeah, that but, he calls them. But calling them that, that. No, way, it's hilarious. It's, yes. yeah. Can we even talk about how great this reveal is that, that oh. Dick Jones and Boddicker are working hand in hand? That's fantastic. It's a fantastic reveal. Linking your villains is great. And it's revealed with Ronnie Cox on a video screen explaining just ex isn't this almost exactly in total recall as well lick bite <laughs> that's terrific oh making yeah. love to the grenade a grenade with a time is this pop yeah Jason, is this usual <laughs> no digital, with a digital time grenades are, it's a future grenade have yet to make it into the army <laughs> yeah. but yeah the grenade prop i love the little spring on top where the spoon gets ejected from it it's great to, that's some really impressive if it's the digital thing you spend all that money to make a digital readout it's got to be cheap super cheap i mean that looks like a like like a wristwatch it's a, it's a seiko yeah it's grenade. a seiko grenade <laughs> so that's easy uh, in the grenade business and i'm cashing you out bob is it's a sensational great. line as well and how it's delivered during this is it is great because you get one rid of one villain and then you kind of give a promotion to another one right, right? by mm -hmm. revealing who he's working for so i was sad to see miguel go he was such a great character. Yeah, he's so smarmy and terrific. And you have to wait to see him explode from decompression sickness in Deep Star 6 three years later to really get another comparable death. Now, this actor was having a very nice run in the in the uh, 1980s. Sal? Play, playing villains, yeah. He's a big guy here. Big Red, we call him in this scene. He loves cocaine. He loves cocaine. I feel bad. I looked him up yesterday, and then I can't remember his you name. You spaced it, didn't you? Well, there's the guy over his left shoulder that looks kind of like what my dad looked that like. That guy over his left shoulder with the brown the mustache is a stuntman who is still working yes. and has been in... His, he has something north of 100 IMDb credits. Yeah, he's been in lots of stuff, but he always reminds me of my dad when I was probably about six years old. My dad looked just like that guy. Your dad walked around with a shoulder holster. Uh, you kids are in deep shit. <laughs> 
And I love the weird green tubing behind him. Like a music video out of the eighties. It's yeah. crazy. Well eighties colors. Look at yeah. the look at the barrels yeah. back there. Yeah, that it's, blue it's, and it's purple. It's a dire straits video yeah. about to happen, right? Well that music in the club sounded like the art of noise. Oh, did it? Yeah. I don't think it is, but, it, run but, it, by, but it, it sounded like it. Should run it by right. Mr. Wyoming. This That's move with the wine, snorting the wine is amazing. I know. <laughs> and then him just drinking it, saying that, well, that didn't do anything. That's such a yeah. great laugh. Everybody's it didn't pretty, bother me. pretty unhygienic and dirty. I, in this yeah, I, don't, I washed my hands after I came out of the john, <laughs> yeah. unlike some corporate stooges I could talk about. And I guess this is improv, completely improv. The guns, guns, guns is Kurtwood Smith's. Now here's, I've never understood this. He never misses a Tigers game, man. That's a that's quite a time commitment. I think that's, that's a 162 Boddicker. games a year. That's a Boddicker make him up. Yeah, he's a, he's is. trying to intimidate him. That's a Boddicker make him up, and I love his <laughs> smile there. Ah, I knew we were all friends. I knew it. And then we get a classic monster movie door. Yeah, yeah I think oh really? No yeah, kidding. Villagers <laughs> call over to Universal and have him send <laughs> yeah. that over. Steve, man, with that. Big old monster. Oh, so this is so great. Well, again, the way the light catches the smoke behind yeah. it is just beautiful. Oh, a lot of guys need killing in this factory. Anybody gonna get wounded? I'm trying to remember. There was a there was a video game that played this way, right? Where you did the targeting. I feel like there oh, like was. like Time Crisis or something? No, it was a RoboCop video game. Oh. Where you actually did that, kind well, of moved the, the cross around. The only RoboCop people. game I remember was the Data East coin-op, and it was awful. Yeah, maybe you're right. It was right. the I one that remember. they did with like the Bad Dudes engine, and it was a side-scroller and really terrible. Was there not a first-person shooter RoboCop not, game? Not maybe that the, I remember. Uh-uh. Maybe not. God, I would have played that. Well, I remember... So, Sal's entire organization is essentially sent to the morgue with this one parade through the yeah. factory. Oh, and here's the stunt man gonna. Oh, there's Big Tony up there. Hey, <laughs> oh. hey, what do you think you're doing down there? And down he goes. Down he goes. <laughs> Get out of here, you dumb robot. Well, so Boddicker's gang is definitely more uh, <laughs> capable than this this uh, the employees of this Coke warehouse. They're still alive, pretty much after oh, all the other ones. So are gross! <laughs> Sorry, so gross. boss. So Sorry. gross. So that's, that's a little Mac Ten that he's got there, right? Yeah, <laughs> the, he's got. Yeah, Boddicker's got his his Desert Eagle. Steve Min's got the Mossberg that takes no, two but that right the, the boss just had there. Yeah, little, yeah. Little. I think that or a micro Uzi, but yeah. Oh. No one thinks to shoot for the jaw. But yeah, every, <laughs> everybody's dead. Everybody. And there's a, a Clarence is lucky. Say no. Well, if he can just time his jump right. Oh. Shit. I like for him it's an inconvenience, <laughs> right? Because he knows how protected he is. And how it doesn't take long to break him either. A few tosses through a few windows, and that's well, it. He's he's singing like a canary. He's pretty well protected legally, but he did just see like thirty guys get murdered, so he's worried for his life. Plus the plate glass windows. That's it. Well, those would actually be ripping him to shreds, right? Now. Right. Two. <laughs> it takes two, and then the third window gets him to scream. Yeah, actually, two windows. He's 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 given up his contact. 
God, Boddicker's only worth two windows. And he sings like a canary. <laughs> Although, oh boy. Can we can we say that this probably actually, even though Robo's memory is admissible in court, probably his treatment of the suspect would get this thrown out, <laughs> well, right? Yeah. We can probably... Depends. Not in, I don't know. In old Detroit? In the sure. near future in old Detroit? I don't know Never anymore. Never can't tell, right? After, you know, who's on the Supreme Court at this point? A cop killer, no less. <laughs> Kavanaugh's they, they uh, look chief justice way. at this point, so... <laughs> So this is another inventive move on the part of the screenwriters, right? Right. It's going to pay off later. No, Ed Newmeyer put together a pretty great script, actually. Yeah. Yeah. A little credit to Mike. Uh, was Michael Miner co-wrote it with him? Uh, a lot of these ideas are credited to him too, but Newmeyer's. It was Newmeyer's idea. And then a little flub on the door where it says "16th Precinct," even though it's supposed to be Metro West Precinct, but we're going to overlook that. Because we sure do like the movie. God, they've got to be running out of space on the memorial wall. Yeah. Right? All those dead cop pictures going up. To, oh, gross. So gross. He spit blood all over the place. <laughs> I know. He just, his bloody loogies that he uses to express displeasure. See, Lewis knows something's up with him bringing that guy in, bringing, bringing Boddicker in. She's like, she oh, knows, and he's I got think one she's of those, to suspect there's a little personal vendetta going on. He's got one of those $800 halogen desk lamps <laughs> that are so cool. And it's like a famous design, and it's That's a, incredibly expensive. That that globular thing he has on his desk is very Death Star, like, like boardroom design look to it. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got the old man's uh, desk, keypad, calculator, phone built in. Uh Corvette going by? I a couple love Corvettes. The, the neon trash cans and stuff so 80s so i guess jonathan taplin was going to direct this movie originally and uh when davison was was developing it and then he left to go do something else and then davison went looking for another director and found verhoven well apparently after talking to some 20 directors all of which thought it would be a schlocky movie. yeah a lot of people turned it down yeah well I mean, come on the name alone right well, that's another You're... thing nancy allen said when she read the script she said Man, the script was one of the best scripts I ever read, but I knew they were going to have to change that name. That's what she said immediately. Like, she took the part, but she was like, oh, this won't be called RoboCop. Like, when it comes out, it'll be something right. else. They'll change it up. <laughs> Is that because it just sounded too much like a Holmes and Yo-Yo TV kind of <laughs> a little, yeah. high, a little high little gimmick? Bit. Right. Yeah. Cop, right? I mean, it's CompuCop. Well, what was the, it was the Holmes and Rogo, Ro, was that the one with John Holmes Shuck? And, Yo -Yo, and then John um, Shuck was an, a robot cop, right? Yeah, and then there was the one with, yeah, um, then there was the one with Borgnine. Um, what was that called? Shoot. Oh, I just want to point out that the globular thing I mentioned earlier is a globe. It's actually a black and white globe. That's an interesting set design. Well, hopefully. It speaks to his character a little bit. Hopefully he'll get a good lawyer when he takes him in and uh, he'll, oh, oh. We're going to have to look up the Ernest Borgnine robotic cop show because it had a title, I think, not unlike RoboCop. Harry and now. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Well, wasn't there like a Ghostbreakers TV show yes. too? So it's, That's Art, Art Carney, right? Yeah. Oh, it was called Ghostbusters. Oh, was it? Yeah, the Ghostbusters maybe. 
Thankfully, this isn't the RoboCop. Yep. So these directives are a little bit like the Asimov rules, right, for robotics? Right. right. For sure. And the only people he can't do anything to are sit in that boardroom. So another kind of scene that Ronnie Cox had probably never played before. Villain talking to guy who's about to die scene. That's not typical Ronnie Cox. And I love he's got his own personal ED 209 in the office, like just like a coffee maker. So ED 209 reveals another capability. So this is look at that. This side is so great. A camera movement coordinated on a rear screen with the stop motion. It's amazing. So we could spot there's going to be occasional stop motion RoboCops too here and there as they fight. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that they get this fight out of the way at this point in the story. You know, you kind of thought, well, this is going to be the big final showdown between these two. Yeah. And I like the reveal of a human eye under there, right? So we know that that his face doesn't end at the visor. Right, yeah. yeah. That's true. It is an interesting choice, though, that he, once the eye is exposed, Ed 209 sees that as a weakness, but again, not the chin, not the not the jaw. <laughs> right. Apparently, that, for some reason, that's, that's just not to be messed with. Nice. Oh, target. did you see that's the, the wire? Yeah. That's the, <laughs> so that was the prop. <clears throat> and I, I love that he can't even hit a slowly staggering target with oh, his yeah. missiles, right? At he's 209, just, he's so the shitty. worst. Yeah, he's, he's so terrible. Obviously, <laughs> then, obviously, here's the greatest the flaw. The greatest design flaw <laughs> since the Death Star. Right here, folks. <laughs> and the toes, the questing little robot toes. It's so funny. It's great. <laughs> it's like co- total comedy. Not since the Daleks, Stop right? motion comedy. He still tries it, too. Another dumb move. It's like, well, you just probably figured out you can't do it. And his little pig squeal. (laughs) Before artificial intelligence, there was the Ed 209. (laughs) Yeah, he had the processing power of two Commodore 64s. Squealing. And I love that Hedgecock can muster an entire SWAT strike force in like three minutes in the basement. Right. Yeah, they couldn't get back up for the Boddicker gang, but right. these guys come right. on they are course. all ready to go. They've been waiting for him. Trouble I mean, in the tower, 900 cops and spotlights. Please send them. I mean, there's probably a, a station for OCP headquarters. There's probably. probably one right there ready for anything that might go wrong there. A lot of disgruntled employees have probably come and tried to shoot <laughs> up the place. That's true. So they uh, uh, they do see him as a cop. I like that. I've always liked that part. They might not know it's Murphy, but he's one of them. Protect your face. I Get read an interview with a reporter who was on the set for all of this stuff, and they said that it was so loud. They had somebody who just went around and gave earplugs to everybody yeah. who was visiting on the set. Yeah, you're firing probably full-size blanks in that confined space. Yeah, Dozens they and said hundreds. the echo That's was just insane. Yeah, it, it would be horrible. And they keep following him and shooting. God, I like the guys holding their guns sideways. They're steer AUGs there. 
I know so this why was they're doing all, it. They're this was it. all multiple cameras shot all at once, apparently. And then this this was then it ended with that. And then this was the second setup when they went down below. Clunk. Don't don't try and help him too much. He's yeah. like eight hundred pounds. Yeah, I was gonna say he's he's pretty heavy, I think. But it's a great moment. Your partners reunited. Yeah, so it's the classic cop movie it's territory. The, it's the new dynamic for the third act is the yeah. two of them together. And I love that they're firing at a cop, right? That's not they know that he's not the only one in there. Now this backstory did did Tippett do this? I think so. They just made have. their own commercial, right? They're, they're, so cool. Old-fashioned Harryhausen yeah. style. The parent John Landis in the eighties cameo, say, right? I was going to say John Carpenter, <laughs> but yeah, it's more John Landis. Built on the seventy-seven Cutlass Supreme, is and they, what they brag use for the about body the in mile, that car. They brag about the miles per gallon. <laughs> like, put it right there. Oh, and oh, the Star Wars. The death of Jerry Ford or whoever. <laughs> I think it was like three. Isn't it three it's presidents? Three presidents, and I like that they just moved to the next story, right? <laughs> Well, that was something. Well, uh, yesterday was a day of mourning. <laughs> Two former Two presidents. Former presidents. Yeah. <laughs> they were trying to revive old Jerry Ford right there. I don't <laughs> know. Meanwhile. How far is this from the world we live in today? Folks? Not terribly. Not terribly. And the greatest man on the street interview in history. <laughs> Homeowner. <laughs> Unemployed so, person. And they use the same like font Super for cracked out Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well, back to you in the newsroom, I guess. But let's talk about the audacity of the extremely well-known Clarence Boddicker walking, <laughs> walking in here. Walking right, right in. Yeah. And Kurtwood Smith harassing his own wife, who is sitting at that desk. Oh, is that right? Really? Yeah, that's Barbara is played by Mrs. Smith. And boop, there goes the gum. It's a very classy tete-a-tete right here. Mm. Fit me in. He's great. You keep the gum. <laughs> and I love she's still at her job, right? Like scheduling stuff in the shattered remains of the office well she lost her off she had her own office until Ed 209 took it over but yeah to I, move out into the hallway even as a kid i thought it was weird that he walked right in there the one you spilled your guts to and i love he just treats him as a regular cop the police officer you can really see why they decided that for the sequel they should try to make it into a kid's movie right <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're clearly talking about the third. I know, movie. I'm talking okay. about the third one. Yeah. <laughs> the second one has a kid in it. The second one has, yeah. A terrible, <laughs> terrible kid. Uh, the worst One kid. of the worst kids ever. Yeah. But even the second one is softer than the first one, you know? In one way, yeah. It's It's pretty fucked up it is know. pretty fucked up you're right but it's, you're right but it's not so it's something about it it just doesn't have this 
it's not as much of a satire, you know. No, it's more of a com- there's more like straight comedy. I mean, it ends on a weird comic note. Here's what it's I don't Kirsch. understand. Kirsch brought his touch, I guess. Here's what I don't get. <laughs> what is their what is their arrangement up to now? Because he's he introduces the concept of basically running crime in Delta City now. But what was it before? Did he just pay him for protection? Just was that dirt, it? Dirty work. I bet he was just I feel like well, it's tough, man. You're right. If you get into this too much, it's a little weird because you'd think he'd be in trouble right now, not getting a promotion. Right. But he needs more needs him to do more dirty work for him. And I guess Boddicker's probably not super excited about going after RoboCop after RoboCop just kicked his ass. So he has to give right. him some incentive. After watching Robo slaughter 50 dudes. Yeah. But it's just, it's weird. I wonder what Boddicker did for him before that they were so well, chummy. I mean, he was... He's a suspect, a suspected cop killer. How many times over? And he's still walking the streets, so he must have been greasing the wheels in the legal system for him or something. Yeah, I guess. I just wonder what the hell Dick Jones would need him for, killing folks. That's, I guess, that's true. Except you got his, he's got his own Ed Two Hundred Nine. This set is so great. This yeah, location is. is just amazing. You've got those fluorescent lights going green back there on this tungsten balanced film and you've got daylight on one side i mean it's just gorgeous and i suppose we should point out this is where murphy died i mean they just they're kind of returning back right. to the scene of the crime not sure why they would deem that the safe place to go it was the hideout for Boddicker's gang but i guess i don't know our baby food motif continues now seeing the face the first time it's pretty incredible it's amazing i didn't know what to think of it it's one of those things when you're younger you're like, how in the world can they possibly pull off this effect i mean you think about well there's there's you know obviously makeup on there but how does it not make his head look way too big right <laughs> but it's right. the skeletal face of peter weller we haven't talked about the fact that he wasn't the first choice for casting that they wanted more traditional action hero types like schwarzenegger stallone but then they realized having a large-bodied man in that suit would be ridiculous. I think Rob Boutin said, you'll, have, you'll it'll look like the Michelin man's walking around. Huh. So we got to get a skinny guy. So that's where Weller came in. His skeletal features in his face allowed to do this this sort of makeup without making his face look like two foot wide, you know. Huh. Heard they thought of Charles Bronson. Oh, Bronson. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. <laughs> wow. Another great idea, though, to go to this... Reveal of what his face looks like under the mask for the third act. Yeah. And to reveal what happened to his life, right? So he's human again, and yet everything that he valued as a human is gone. Well, they moved on because you're dead. I, I Except remember, he's clearly not dead. Right. I remember watching this scene when I was a kid, when I first saw this movie, and the unsophisticated brain I had at the time, and still thinking, man, this is different. I remember thinking how different that little confession is that little it's a really great moment in the movie followed by another really great moment in the movie for totally different reasons anything that's going to hold a a paralyzed city enthralled it's going to be i'd buy that for a dollar (laughs) 
and even in the future, we're still in a world where people watch mo- watch TV through a window. <laughs> like we're yeah. way we're way <laughs> past that now. Right? Yeah, when like, is the last time that happened, right? But it's a great move throwing the bottle through the window just to turn the volume up. <laughs> yeah, it looks like we might have some real glass in that window too. Happy yeah, birthday, maybe. babe. She's from me. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> Sure, we've had our shots. God, and people just love it so much. Look at that beauty. Mm. What is that, Jason? That is a, that is a 1977 uh, Cutlass Supreme that they use for the body, but um, it has become arguably the greatest status symbol in future America. <laughs> this is 6,000 SU. Every one of them gets a 6,000 SUX. Uh, we've got two. Well, not for long. Yeah, well, Clarence isn't going to have that. Yeah. Got a car just like yours. I love it's a challenge. <laughs> he knows he knows it's going to it's going to get under his skin. And the first real reveal of the Barrett M82 sniper rifle, which has become so iconic. And this was the movie, the phony computerized sights and everything, but that was amazing to see so it's a sniper rifle that they've tricked out yeah yeah that's a barrett m82 the the sort of what they it's a 50 caliber sniper rifle that's used to do things like blow dudes away from a a a couple miles or kill a car or it's called an anti-material rifle so you can actually damage vehicles and stuff with it that's how big it is um, but this movie was kind of, you know, they put on a phony muzzle brake and a, and a phony computer sight, but that's basically the gun. It's just this monstrous cannon. Oh, God, there goes the fire hydrants. They can't even fight the fires now. <laughs> no car is safe. Yeah. yeah, honestly, if I was an over-testosterone dude in a gang and there was no possible legal repercussion for what i was doing i would absolutely just make explosions everywhere too you know the way this scene we were talking about what what ray wise's character leon what his uh places in this gang it kind of plays like the second uh, second command yeah he's the executive officer he's 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 the father figure who says uh the wrecker yeah come on guys let's get on board (laughs) the sam neill to the sean connery sure sure except not well i guess well he gets blown up not shot Cares not a whit for rabbits or Montana, but God, the adult books. So, is it just coincidental that this all kind of goes down the way it does? These guys are screwing around on the street, and then the next thing you know, they they're coming back. Or are we waiting for them here? Do we yeah, know they're going to come back because they've got the track? Okay, yeah, he's right, like, he's right. At the, he's at the mill. Let's go. So they know where he is. And Boddicker, you know, he tells his guys nothing fancy, just kill it. You know, don't be showy, don't be stupid. He knows that they're. You know, they're not real smart. They're hired muscle, basically. Oh, man. And a pretty scathing indictment of the Gerber company coming up as he empties his gun into the baby food. I think it's nice that she helps him here. I think that's another great moment. Even if he wakes her up in the most terrifying method possible. And I'm right here, you know. And if your sister's she's messed like, up, could could you maybe wait till I get behind her? She's, <laughs> ca- she's casual about being it's two feet away from messed up. Fire. Thankfully, not messed up too much.
thus ending the baby food motif. <laughs> I hope you're not ever hungry again. The wrecking crew is showing up, man. So they must have spent a lot of time at this location, given how much goes on here. Yeah. Probably free to shoot it up as much as they want. That's the same car Kojak drove. We should all we should all note that. Kojak drove a gold one of those. Emil, be careful driving that van. Yeah, what the hell kind of steel do they make there that they have that kind of toxic waste? What, the, what, what kind of Again, steel is Future that? steel. The most, the toxic waste thing is the most ridiculous part of this entire movie. Like, it's your, absolutely it's no a purpose. trauma moment, isn't it? It's right. totally trauma. And I'll tell you again that that the edited for TV version did not cut hardly any of it. There's a little bit of bed shitting here because Robo could blow away those three guys right now. And with their tracker, they should know exactly where he is. So the script says this it needs to actually go down a different way, but that's probably not how it should go down. How accurate do you think that tracker really is? Though? It puts you on a street corner, but not like in the room with a guy necessarily, right? And why does he empty his gun into Joe, right, when there's other dudes there? Robo, because he wanted to make it a lesson, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> Just give it Joe seems Cox as though he's toying with them 12 a rounds. Bit. A little, yeah, which he probably shouldn't, given the firepower they're toting. Yeah. But I guess it's to show a different side of RoboCop, maybe, because he's a lot less businesslike now than he was earlier. Right. Right? Every confrontation before was ended as fast as possible with maximum force. Here he's dicking around. He could shoot him 10 times. Easy with that 6,000 SUX. She's it's, it's got to be almost out of gas. Captain, already. you're pushing her too hard. Oh, boy. So this is just so absurd. But it's great. Not even a biohazard symbol on it. Just right. says so toxic waste and just big old letters. And vomits out the back <clears> of the <throat> truck. Oh, my God. So he comes out the back here. Oh, maybe he'll be something neat and this like is... the Joker. No. <laughs> something neat like the so I remember seeing this and that the show in that, and I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked when I saw this when I was a kid. It's if, just such TV, an odd moment, right? It's, it's just this so crazy odd. monster movie moment. I think they cut away about, you know, they don't hold on it too long. I was just remembering how this, and his death is a little bit cut down. But. Hopefully Ray Wise will help him. There's that camaraderie between <laughs> gang members. Ray Hopefully Ray Wise will lend Finally him somebody reacts Look at the to being auto touched trees by someone. back there. <laughs> so this stuff was shot in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And you can see the foliage yeah. back mm-hmm. there that don't look like Dallas. Yeah, you're or right. Or Detroit. I mean, maybe there's some of that around Detroit, but but he's like, did you wash your hands after you took a dump? Once again, no washed hands. It's just so crazy. Look at him. Why <laughs> would you not why do him the you favor just, of shooting him? Right? You, yeah, why wouldn't you just shoot him? Blow him just up with your huge guy. gun. Because this mercy. is so much worse. Oh, he's chewing that gun. <laughs> <laughs> so Quasimodo. They, so Smoking. I do remember they cut away before you get the full splatter. That's the only part of that they cut for TV, which is nuts. Uh, Great, good old fashioned. Great Cal Needham esque car stunt. Yep, it's terrific. 
they were going to do a big slide whistle sound effect when the car rolled spun over. over. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> Lewis. I love the way he rolls back. Uh, the stunt person rolls back because it's like, I'm not going face down in that water. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> I got to bounce back. Yeah, and the, the music here is great. The sort of marching RoboCop theme. Yeah, with the, the metallic dings in it. It's just, Basil Polidorus was so good. Famed Milius collaborator. I know, I think his best stuff is probably Conan, but. Yeah, I think so too. Conan's his best and then Hunt for October. Red October's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. One of the things that he does that I love, that I noticed in this movie too, I never really thought about it. He has this, I don't know what you call it, kind of an echoey sort of resonant note that he hits that always sounds a little dreamy or internal or internalizes whatever's going on. And it's something that's very specific to him. I don't know anybody else that does it as much as he does, but it's he's just great. Why does Leon dick around with the dropped metal instead of shooting him with his giant cannon, right? Hmm. Because the script says. The script says yeah. so. She does. She knows what to do with her giant cannon. <laughs> oh my <laughs> God! Jesus Christ! Bananas! Those are bullets, man. This is pretty great. Both his wounding and and Boddicker's death. This but the is fact that he's great. he fends it off three times and then uh, okay, I'm changing the direction. Oops. Uh. Took him three times to figure out he needs to go to the other side. Uh, and then the viscera. Oh God! Whatever falls out of him. Oh my God! Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure what that is. Wording all the way. Gosh, gush, gush. Yeah, the entire interior of his neck is yanked out. That's pretty terrific. I'm a mess. What I think is so amazing is that this is it for her. Mm-hmm. We don't see her again. Until the yeah, next she's movie. too shot up to participate in the big denouement, right? So yeah, but it's it. such a such a weird idea that they'll fix anything, and it does leave you with the suggestion that maybe oh, you're right. Yeah. We she's never she's going to get rebuilt or something. Oh my god, Bionic Lewis. Yeah, with their OCP screen. So that would have been a new idea for the second movie. You could have had her. Be a little Robocopish herself. She's not in the second movie, is she? I think she is. Oh, is yeah. She? oh yeah, she, she is. is. Okay. Yeah. He, his yeah. directives get all messed up. She's the one who gets fed up. and Yeah. Now, that's the only time they got the prop to work, That's right? the, yeah, it's, <laughs> it was not, yeah. Now they're back. Wait, Thank God, now, now we're, we're back, back to Stunt Tippet. Maybe that was Stunt Motion that first movie. I don't know. No, it kind of looks like the, the prop, but this is such a great beat here. I love it because it's, you really don't want to see him fight again, you know? You kind of have had enough. Yeah. And so it's There's a, a little bit of, of, of Indiana Jones there yep. with the swordsman, right? Just, okay, that's what you are, but here's what I have. Moving on. Yeah. And I guess uh, I guess Verhoeven asked Tippett to do something funny here. He said, that we need a real comic beat here. So he put the little thing on the top. And the twitchy toe. And then toe. you get the twitchy toe. Yeah. I think best comic performance by a stop-motion animated <laughs> character. Oh, for sure. Oh, God. His, his courage, strength, and conviction hearing him shit those words out right out of that yeah and the sound effect when he opens the doors is great 
And I love everybody persists in treating him just like a cop, right? They call him officer or whatever. I think that's great, too. Yeah, the, the king at the head of the table just watching how the whole thing plays out. He doesn't have to do anything, right? Yeah, what is your evidence? And then he's if and, and he knows, right? We know that if the evidence is against Dick Jones, the old man will cut him loose like that. Oh, yeah. That's right. So we get a cut here then to this Dick Jones Morton's remix. buddy, and he's he's pissed off that his buddy got killed, isn't he? I mean, that's got to be the suggestion. Do you, you think Johnson really cares? Really? I don't know. The, what is that cut for? What is his reaction for? Just he's as, really angry when he finds out that that Morton was killed by Dick Jones. And how he goes full then, Cuban hijacker right here. I want a hostage. <laughs> I want a chopper to the airport and all this bullshit. A car that gets shitty gas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and this is classic <laughs> the old geezer very smart move on the old man's part yep. robocop does not require any documentation for the termination right. nothing at all. from hr <laughs> <laughs> five six bursts and here we've got an animated so stop motion animated them. puppet of ronnie cox <laughs> i love it i love that they went that far Huge it is great list. isn't it Look how happy he is. I mean, there's something like he's. He Maybe everybody hated Bob Jones, Morton. right? Maybe everybody yeah. was terrified of Dick Jones. But specifically, they made a point to cut to him reacting to the news of his. I think he really actually liked Bob Morton. It's weird. And this is always to me kind of shocking. No matter how many times I see the movie, it's always shocking to me that just, that's it. That it just cuts that like that's that. It. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's great. It's so great. So RoboCop. Well, Jason, thank you so much for joining us yeah. for this lovely afternoon movie-watching festival. <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing Blue Thunder with you guys. Oh. I'm really looking forward to I haven't seen Blue that. Thunder in a long time. That would oh, be fun. Oh, my God. I love that movie. That would be fun. I, I would love, love to movie. do that. Yeah. All right. We'll have to put that on the on the list of things to do. So, Vicano also Vicano. shot Das Boat, right? Yeah. 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 Pretty beautiful movie. I mean, this movie was really beautiful to look at. I think something about the fact that it was still a low-budget movie makes it feel really special. You know, mm -hmm. it's not—it's not overly glossy. It doesn't look like doesn't look like Total Recall, or it doesn't look like um, Basic Instinct, or something. You know, it's there's something that's gritty about it that just makes it so cool. How do we think O'Harelihy merits? number three in the credits above Kurtwood Smith. How do we <laughs> just, I think it's did, did his agent just drive a real hard must bargain? Have been, yeah. Yeah. And he's been around a long time, you know. And I think he was quite a kind of a get for them, it sounds like from some of the comments I've heard. Huh. Had he done Starfighter before this? This was yeah, yes. Starfighter was eighty four. His son was being so great in Superman three and never say <laughs> never again. Wait, who's that? Uh, Gavin O'Hara, he his son. Oh, I didn't. He's know that. Uh, the guy Jack Patachi in uh, Never Say Never Again, and uh, the asshole bully in Smallville in Superman oh. Three. He looks like a cross between Jim Henson. Edward Fox and uh, the guy from uh, the guy who in Die Hard who plays the TV reporter. William Atherton? Yeah, he's like a cross between Edward Fox and William You're Atherton. You're right. With the, with just a hint of either a, a Muppet rat or Jim H or, or Lee Van Cleef. 
pretty great movie. Yeah, I am. Thank you so much for inviting me in. I uh, watch. I was I, I was very excited when you told me you were going to be doing this, and that's why I agitated so fervently to be part of it. Yeah, we didn't want Jason. Just so the audience knows, we didn't. He really kind of bothered us about <laughs> it until we finally. Let original him come choice on. was someone else. <laughs> was anyone it's else? Always Hart, Hart Bachner was it, the original it, yeah. choice. It's always good to have you here <laughs> no, with your expertise and, and no, we wouldn't else. have done this without you, really, Jason. We've been waiting. We've been waiting for you, actually. Glad to see the Milliken boys still have their transportation business open. <laughs> we need to have a World War II movie. We need to find a great World well, War II movie. Well, obviously, to get you I, in I've been really been thinking hard about Private Ryan, what with D Day's 75th anniversary. I've really oh. been wanting to rewatch that. We're doing and, a theatrical and do a release deep here. Dive soon, too. on that. Yeah, I, I, I heard about that, and I'm very excited. It might That's be July. Ex- it might be a Fourth of July weekend thing, I think. Is it? I think Maybe. it was just. I, or was I it think just, somebody just saw it. Yeah, I think it was. Maybe it was last was a, week. I think. There was a D-Day thing. It was either June. It was the first week of either June or July. It was June. It's a D-Day. Okay, you're right. So it was 98. Is it Spielberg's last great movie? Mm. Great movie? Mm. Uh, Boy, this is a whole conversation. There are plenty of good movies. You waited until there was like two minutes left in the credits. I know, but I wonder if it's his last great movie. I... Well, we'll uh, have to. We'll have to. Oh, look at that. The Kyoto Brothers, Killer Clowns, did 6,000 SUX commercial. Oh. It wasn't Killer Clowns. It wasn't. I that's thought Tippett did the dinosaur. Right. I was always wrong about that. Well, there we go. That's great. I thought that's, that's what perfect. got him the job for Jurassic Park. And he's known as the old man. I'll be damned. Huh. I never knew that because I've never gotten this far in the credits. Okay. I'm just going to say, I think Catch Me If You Can is a, true, is a great film. I Ooh. like Catch Me If You Can a lot. You guys cannot like it. That's fine. I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I think it's a pretty great movie. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I put it on the A list or whether I'd put it on the B or B plus list. I, I mean, well, well, Mitch, do you even put Saving Private Ryan on his A, a list? I put it on the B list. Yeah. So I think it goes in the B list with yeah, you, A list stuff. It's been a really long time since uh, Spielberg's made an A. Maybe. Schindler's List. Schindler's List might be the last one. So 93? Maybe. Where's Jurassic Park, the first one? It's right before Schindler's List. Ah, right. Are those on the A-list or the B-list? That's on the A-list, right? I guess Jurassic Park's... Okay, so see, we've completely moved (laughs) off topic. I like Jurassic Park I blame myself. Let's figure out what we're bringing Jason back for. Maybe we'll do Private Ryan or something, Uh, but... We'll, we'll get you back in here and we'll do something else. Yeah, we'll do, we'll do well, something. Uh, you know, look, you know, I, I put Private Ryan and Blue Thunder on the same shelf. So okay. bring me back for either one and I'm good. But just be prepared for seven to eight minutes of discussion about the Aerospatial Gazelle customized as Blue Thunder 1 and 2. During just You'll probably need to pause it because I've got a lot to say. <laughs> well, All right. We'll, but, but, yeah, I think we should do Blue Thunder next. For Jason... Uh, coming back. I'm not saying this is our next episode or anything. There's our do Blue Thunder. There's the club music. Show me your spine. Show me your spine. By PTP. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everyone. We will see you all next time. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us. Bye. Here, see you at the movies. <laughs>